Raptors basketball is finally back tonight. They take on the Charlotte Hornets to kick off the stretch run with the All-Star break now behind us. And on today's show, we're going to dig into the storylines we're most excited to watch over the course of the final 25 games. Dig into some players and their development tracks that we're keeping an eye on, as well as sort of big picture storylines to keep uh, up, up to tabs with on the team. We're going to check the vibes as we go into the final 25 games uh, with a wonderful guest today, Catherine Niker from the Buckets and Tea podcast. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1126 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, February the 25th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And you can find the podcast free and available on all your favorite podcast apps. You can subscribe, follow, rate, review, etc. Plus, you can go to YouTube and hit that big red subscribe button. It's very much appreciated when you do that as well. And as always, a thank you for making us your first listen of the day. All right, on today's show, the Raptors are back, baby. They take on the Hornets tonight, and we're going to dig into some of our favorite juicy storylines ahead of the season. But first, I must ask today's guest, who is, of course, the host, of the Buckets and Tea NBA podcast, in addition to being a comedy writer on some of your favorite Canadian television shows and just a wonderful person, uh, it's Catherine Eicher. Catherine, I have to ask you, it's a cold, snowy day here in Southern Ontario. Uh, what kind of tea are you drinking today? Oh my God, that's a great question. And first of all, I want to uh, congratulate you on your 1,126th episode. <laughs> that is a milestone not celebrated often enough, okay? <laughs> That is incredible. Hang the banner. Hey, yeah, yeah. I've got the I've got the tailor working on the like the seamstress putting it together, doing the the the. How do you make banners? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I assume if it's a really nice banner, it's going to be hand sewn and and all that good stuff, like a quilt mm -hmm. but thinner. Anyway, a knitted banner. Maybe more should teams should have knitted banners. Maybe that's a knitted banner that would be yeah. really nice, actually. That would and, and especially because we're all doing this from home still, it would just be mm -hmm. like nice and quaint in your home. Um, I like anyway. the idea. Back to the tea. We'll get to the tea in a second, but yeah. I'm now on the banner thing. I do like the idea of like it's the opening night of the NBA season. You're defending NBA champions are in the house ready to raise the banner. And there's just a little old lady trying to knit away at the new banner. But she's going kind of slow because her fingers are sore. She's got arthritis. And you've got like the coach of the championship team screaming at this woman to finish the banner. Uh, and then it gets put up <laughs> half made because there wasn't enough time. Uh, very Phyllis from the office type of vibe. Anyway. Oh, yeah, uh, very much. Back to the tea. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you are, of course, the host of Buckets and Tea. Uh, what, what are you having here on this uh, very blustery, cold, snowy Southern Ontario morning? 
Yeah, well, I do start every morning with a coffee and specifically mm -hmm. a soy latte because okay. I uh, I bought myself an espresso machine during this pandemic mm -hmm. and it was on sale and I named her Bertha because she gives <laughs> me life. <laughs> so that is how I start my day. And then after my coffee, then I have tea through the rest of the day. Mm hmm. I'm a big tea guy as well after the first coffee. You can't do really mm. more than one coffee. Otherwise, I become a buzzy mess. Uh, yes, agreed. I will say when it comes to tea, I think the most basic thing about me is that I have a David's tea subscription. Uh, it, like I have like a little <laughs> card on my keys. So I have like points when I go and get my my basic ass teas. Uh, but they do make a chocolate chili chai, which is oh, uh, yeah, that's really delightful. It's so good. Uh, I, I, you know, I like a peppermint. I like, a, you know, a lighter sort of herbal tea as well. But sometimes you need the big shoulders of a chocolate chili chai. Uh, anyway, Catherine, we can I, lo I love now knowing if you'd like. I love knowing that about you, and I love that all your listeners finally get to know that about you. I'm glad, too. Uh, I'm sure there will be no YouTube comments uh, ripping into my choice of tea. Uh, all right, let's begin, shall we? The Toronto Raptors play yes. a game tonight. Finally, they take on the Charlotte Hornets. A pretty big stretch here, actually. Hornets tonight, Hawks tomorrow, then two against the Nets next week. Uh, all teams just behind them in the standings. Uh, but I kind of wanted to take today, Catherine, and not preview a single game, but maybe just sort of take a big scale look at the final 25 games and dig into some players and storylines that we're kind of keeping an eye on here. And I think where I'd like to start is with the player you're most intrigued to watch down the stretch, Catherine. There's a lot of different options here. They're a really weird and bizarre and fun team. Who do you have as a player that you're really keying in on as, all right, this guy for the next 25 games, I am fascinated to see what he does. I mean, there's a lot there. Like, I, I I'm really curious to see um if Ken Birch is gonna really solidify himself in our top eight or not. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. that's kind of what I'm really looking at. Like who's gonna make this final top eight rotation before we go into the playoffs? Because I don't think Nick Nurse is gonna play more than eight guys uh once we're there. Um right. Also, Thaddeus Young, you know, I really want to see how he's going to contribute, if he's going to contribute. Um, I'm also curious. I mean, a lot's been said about Malachi Flynn this year. Like, a lot's mm -hmm. been said. Um, but we still have him. And after the trade deadline passed, you know, Masai said that he still believes in Malachi. So I'm curious to see if he's really going to be given more time or not because i find my observation with him is that when he is out there he just tries to make too much happen at once he doesn't really let the game come to him and right in fairness to him maybe he just hasn't had the minutes to figure out how to do that but mm -hmm. yeah i don't i mean i don't see malachi making our top eight necessarily but i'm just curious as to who will because i feel like there's so many back-to-back -back games coming up like Nick Nurse is going to have to give a lot of these bench guys minutes whether he wants to or not. And I feel like we're going to see like that our rotation really start to solidify itself. I think you make a really good point. And I do think it speaks to sort of the good state the team is in that we're not really mm -hmm. focused on any of the main five guys right now. Like it's like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, we know what those guys are going to do. They're really good. They fit really nicely together. Uh, they're going to close games and uh, have like one of the best crunch time net ratings of any lineup in basketball. Like that's going to be their thing. 
But yeah, the, the bench is certainly a storyline that I am fascinated to see how it all plays out because I'm just sitting here thinking like, they can't actually make this four bigs off the bench first thing work, can they? And maybe they can, and like they have made it work so far. I think Thad Young's addition kind of makes things interesting, and I'm really glad you, glad you brought up Kem Birch because I think like this next 25 games, I, maybe this is too much of a hot take, but it feels like it could kind of determine where Kem Birch plays next season, honestly, because yeah. he's a guy who... Like they have less invested in him probably than they do, say, Precious Achua, for example, who is the prize return for Kyle Lowry. Um, and then Chris Boucher has played so well that I'm guessing he's probably going to be someone the Raptors want to bring back. A and I don't know if you want to go into next season with this sort of similar roster backlog, right? Where you have all of these guys at the same position who are coming in and fighting for essentially the same minutes. Although we have to say it again, as we'll say, positions on this team are fake. They don't exist. It's a made up construct. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you got to sort of accept that and sort of change your thinking a little bit. But it does, when it comes to like spacing and things like that, it actually does matter to have guys out there who can shoot and, and give room and breathing space to the main guys on the team who are so ball dominant. So, yeah, I, how Nick Nurse kind of patches together this rotation down the stretch is going to be fascinating. And I do think there's a world in which, you know, I don't see Chris Boucher losing his job right now if he continues to play the way he has because he's been awesome. He's been their best bench player. I think Thad Young is just such a Raptorsy dude that he's going to play a lot. And I would expect he might actually close games at some point here just because he's like a more sort of reliable, steady version of the sort of center type, the small ball five they've been trying to have Scotty Barnes be. And, you know, it's a lot for Barnes to take on. And I, I don't think he's going to be able to do it every single game at a super high level. So I think Thad's going to swap in there. And he's just so, like, good at cutting and working off the ball and in space that I think you got to play him. I don't think Precious is going to lose a ton of time. And, and so, that, that again, that brings you back to Kem as someone who might get excised here, especially if a Malachi Flynn or a Yuta Watanabe gets back in here, right? Because, I mean, we saw the last game before the deadline against the Wolves. The Raptors were struggling against that zone. They brought in Malachi Flynn to kind of work off ball as some space and, uh, you know, played seven minutes, didn't score, but was kind of an interesting little wrinkle in the rotation there. Like, Are you with me in that you think Ken Birch is maybe the guy who's maybe a, the most tenuous grasp to not only a roster, like a, a rotation spot right now, but perhaps a roster spot going forward, depending on how things kind of shake out here in the back part of the roster? Um, yeah, I completely agree. And it kind of reminds me of well the the 2019 season when when we won when we had that midseason trade and we ended up taking on jeremy lynn and there was this like brief like jeremy lynn or norm powell debate there with right. minutes down the stretch and norm powell very much solidified himself in those minutes but it kind of feels like that going down the stretch here like there's gonna be uh, a little bit of a internal battle here and you're right like I Ken Birch might end up being squeezed out which is like <clears throat> sorry like a little unfortunate because you know like he had some very random injuries uh this year that kind of kept him in and out maybe he just didn't get to get into a full rhythm this season mm -hmm. um but yeah like I I I saw him at Best Buy very randomly, and then all the Best Buy guys were like, yeah, man, he's here all the time. Uh, so <laughs> uh, if he stay, if he doesn't stay, like, man, the, the Eaton Center Best Buy is really going to miss him. But, oh, uh, you know, yeah, I could see I can see him being in a bit of a vulnerable spot right now. 
But it's interesting too because I think of all the guys on the bench who's likely to like eventually become a starter on this team. He probably is the most likely one. This team is very weird, Catherine. I don't understand yeah. it still, uh, and that's fine. Uh, it's a it's a difficult <laughs> team to sort of uh, put together in your brain. You know, you wanna... know what it is. Yeah, it's sorry, oh, sorry, ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, it's just like you. Know, I love positionless basketball in theory and sometimes in practice, but then you face a team like the 76ers or mm. the Denver Nuggets and suddenly you're like, man, I want a real center. <laughs> you know, it's only when we're facing another team that doesn't have such an imposing center that you feel okay about it. And then when you yeah. are against that team, it's like, God damn, we need a seven footer that can just really hold his own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will say I'm really excited for when the Raptors play the Sixers. I think they play them coming up in March. Because we haven't really seen like the full healthy the version of this Raptors team against a healthy and full version of the Sixers. And obviously they're a lot more difficult to guard now with James Harden plays yeah. tonight, I think. You know, I, I think, you know, the Raptors have found ways to annoy Joel Embiid without Marcus Gasol. Like ever since Gasol left, they've still been pretty successful against Philly. And I'm curious to see if that can still kind of play out, especially if they have their full healthy, you know, complement of six, nine freaks. Uh, we'll continue <laughs> on here. I do want to sort of pick up the thread of Ken Birch and the idea of the starting lineup, because I think that's another really interesting conversation down the stretch here, Catherine. We'll get to that in just one second. But first, I want to tell people about our friends over at Truebill. Did you know that uh, that free trials, when you sign up for something, they renew without your consent? And you know why that is? It's because it's a scam and you cannot be letting greedy corporations pocket your money you can download Truebill now and take control of your subscriptions Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need want or simply forgot about on average people will save up to 720 bucks a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel Truebill makes it incredibly simple you just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap and your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped them save over 100 million dollars i am a person who does this all the time i sign up for a thing because i want that free trial for a month and i you know i feel like i could cheat the system get the thing i need for a month and not no longer pay for this thing well guess what i always forget to cancel my free subscription and all of a sudden 30 days later i get a notification oh you have paid 35 dollars to punch bowl for e-cards or something like that we don't need that anymore you don't need to be paying for punch bowl either don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Go right now to truebill.com slash locked on NBA. It could save you thousands a year. And uh, I also want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. Football might be over, but basketball is in full steam for both the pro and college ranks. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. You can get those finals, futures, and whatnot as well. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. And you also get baseball one day maybe see hopefully uh head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action bet online is where the game starts and we continue on your first listen of the day here with katherine nyker from the buckets and tea podcast uh i talked before the break about the starting lineup and the potential of a change there it's been pretty stagnant uh, ever since they got healthy and that's good because i think the small ball starting five even though their numbers continue to be kind of underwhelming on the whole in their moments where they've looked awesome, they've looked borderline unstoppable. And so I'm more than happy to keep riding that lineup out. That said, I think there's a really interesting sort of storyline going on here with Scotty Barnes, who 
I have been pretty impressed with the way he's kind of learned and acclimated to playing center because that's basically the position he's playing in this starting five. But he's a rookie. He looks kind of tired. He's had his moments of, you know, struggle here and there. It hasn't looked quite as sort of overwhelmingly dominant as it did at times in the early part of the season. And with the Raptors having, you know, Pascal Siakam with the ball in his hands so often, rightfully so, because he's so damn good. Fred Van Vliet also with the ball. Gary Trent Jr. is a pretty high usage guy these days. OG's always going to get his. Scotty does kind of feel like he's falling to the bottom of the sort of pecking order when it comes to the starting five, which is, again, not a terribly bad thing. He's 20 years old. He's going to be the future of the team in some way, shape, or form. You don't have to get too you know worried about it not sort of happening right now. But I am curious, Catherine, about the idea that eventually they move Scotty Barnes to the bench, either with Ken Birch sliding into the starting five or potentially Thad Young, who I think is a pretty interesting small ball guy uh, who I think, yeah, like I said, kind of does the things that Scotty has been asked to do a little bit more uh, effectively and more consistently. So what are your thoughts on the idea of moving Scotty to the bench? I guess the con con the conceit is here. You get a little bit bigger in the starting five. Well, maybe not really because everyone's the same size. So you're not actually getting bigger. <laughs> uh, and Scotty might actually be the biggest guy on the team in terms of overall space taken up by his body. Um, but the idea, I guess, would be that you have him come off the bench. He runs second units, has the ball in his hand more often, is able to create a little bit more. I was pretty against the idea of moving Scotty out of the starting five at the start of the season because he was very clearly just one of their five best players. I am a little unsure now. I, I think there's an argument to be made for both sides. What do you think about Scotty Barnes's future in the starting lineup? Do you think a move to the bench would be helpful for him? Is it more of a sort of game-by-game, -game, matchup to matchup thing, which is probably the most likely thing you know, with, with Nick Nurse and the way he operates? Uh, where are you at with Scotty Barnes and his role within the team? Um, I mean, I think I do see Scotty Barnes as a starter, but with that being mm -hmm. said, it's kind of like, why not try it? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because what I like about him coming off the bench is that he would make the bench so much stronger, mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like, you know, we've kind of had this thing where it's like we know who our, our core six guys are and then it really kind of drops off. And I think maybe him being like being our sixth man could really strengthen everybody else. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I see it. I mean, I don't know if that's going to be the case or not, but I feel like this is the time. If we're going to try it, this is the time to do it. Mm -hmm. Why not just run it for like five games and see how it is? I mean, Nick can always say like, look, like I gave these guys a chance and Scotty just really like cemented his place in the starting lineup and it is what it is, or it could really work for us. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, not to keep going back to that 2019 season. I did not anticipate <laughs> coming on this episode and talking about that. But, like, you know, it kind of reminds me of Sergi Baca in a way. Like, Sergi Baca, in my opinion, very much was a starting center. But it was like, hey, when you come off the bench, suddenly the bench is, like, significantly stronger. And also, right. too, like, we finished games with him. We didn't necessarily yeah. start games with him, but we finished games with him. So I could see a balance happening like that where maybe, like, we're not start starting Scotty, but we're ending the games with Scotty. Yeah, I think that's definitely uh, a possibility if he does move out of the starting lineup. He's still going to close games. They're still going to give him all the reps. Uh, you know, and I, look, I'm torn on it because I think as much as he's not getting the ball in his hands so much with the starters as they're currently constructed, you know, he does still find himself in pretty advantageous positions, right? He works well off of pascal and fred and and gary like it, it does kind of have some sort of uh you know it's pretty harmonious there 
And I worry that, yes, off the bench, he would have the ball in his hands more, which I want to see in some way, shape, or form. Because when Scotty Barnes passes, it just makes my it makes me so happy. He throws no-look passes as regularly as he throws look passes. It's a, it's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. to watch. And so I, I want to see that. But I do wonder, you know, can you put enough space around him in those second units to actually make yeah. it worthwhile, right? Because if he's out there playing with... Precious Achua and Thad Young and, uh, you know, Chris Boucher with maybe another starter sprinkled in, that's pretty cluttered. And I, I don't know if you're really getting the best of Scotty on the ball if you have that sort of amount of, of clutter in that in that starting five or in that in that reserve five. You know, I, this is where I also think Yuta Watanabe deserves a shot to get back in because he is six foot nine. He does play good defense. He does shoot threes. And, like, that's something they need so badly. And I think it's still weird that he has not been able to get himself out of the doghouse. Um, mm-hmm. ever since those first couple of games after COVID. Um, you know, so like if you're like piecing together an ideal second unit for Scotty Barnes, let's say he subs out or he subs in at like the you know the start of the second quarter or something like that. He'll he'll play before that, but with sort of starter heavier, starter heavier looks. So let's say start of the second quarter, they decided we're gonna hand the keys to Scotty and one other starter. How do you fill in your ideal bench unit around those guys? Who is the starter and who are the three bench guys? Okay, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I still like Boucher out there. I think, I don't know, it does get cluttered if I say Pascal. So let's say we keep Fred, and then maybe it's Boucher, Scotty Barnes, um, Delano Banton, and I don't know. Precious? I guess Precious. Does Mm -hmm. Scotty move to small forward then? I mean, I guess like <laughs> what are yeah. what are positions? Who knows? I guess small forward is kind of what he yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, that would be, yeah. that would yeah. be the lineup. I guess that would be it. Yeah, I think I would do the same, except I might swap Banton out for Utah, and I'm going to be on the Utah train until okay. the train rolls off the tracks because I think he should be playing. And I love Banton. I think he's awesome. I think the the energy he brings in short bursts is wonderful. And like he's so bloody fast, it's like mm-hmm. you can get four free points just by catching the other team off guard because he's so damn fast. Mm-hmm. But I just think Utah does a little bit more to kind of help each possession be a little bit healthier and have the the spacing and the offense be a little bit more effective. And I, I agree with your thought on Fred being the guy you pair with Scotty. He's such a steady presence, and we've seen a lot of really good Trent and Siakam action too, right? So I think mm-hmm. those guys can kind of carry there in between lineups. You throw LG with those guys too, and you're you're probably laughing. And then you throw in a Utah and a Fred as the shooting around a Barnes, Achua, Boucher front line. I, I think that works pretty well. And I guess that assumes Ken Birch kind of slides in as a starting five. But we haven't even talked about Thad Young. It's confusing, Catherine. This team is weird. I don't know what to do with it. Uh- <laughs> I do not envy Nick Nurse, let's say that, when it comes to assembling this rotation. It is one of them good problems, I suppose, because I think we've gone from there being like six guys you trust to, you know, I actually trust like eight, nine, ten guys on this team right now. It's just how those pieces fit together that is kind of the puzzle to figure out here. But I guess it's better than having six guys who are good and figuring out what this the four remaining sad puzzle pieces are. It's four happy puzzle pieces. They're just a little bit more confusing with uh, more <laughs> elaborate cuts to pair up. Um, we're going to continue on here, Catherine. We'll round out 
And we'll talk about just sort of the season at large and sort of how we've enjoyed this season so far, what we're looking forward to from the team down the stretch here. Uh, maybe even get some win predictions, shall we? Uh, oh. From now to the end of the season. That one's like, I've sprung on you. I did not tease that as a thing we were going to talk about. But <laughs> maybe we'll do that because people love predictions. We'll get to that in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who make the best tasting protein bars. Money can buy it. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and they have flavors galore you can get your fruity flavors you can get your nut flavors if you have a nut allergy that's fine they have nut free flavors for you as well they're keto friendly as well if that is the diet you're rocking with right now uh you've got flavors like mint brownie coconut white chocolate cookies and cream is a limited time flavor that's popped up for once uh i think for just the month so be sure to go and check out the site limited time flavors arrive all the time in addition to their staple lineup most built bars contain 130 calories four grams of sugar four grams of net carbs and 17 grams of protein you compare that with your standard candy bar which is at minimum 240 calories probably a lot more 30 grams of sugar that's so much freaking sugar and dozens of net carbs you gotta go with built bar baby it is just a way more uh, effective way to indulge and not feel guilty about it on the other side go to built.com use the promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off your order and i should say this works no matter if it's your first order or your 10th order Locked 15 will get you 15% off when you go to built.com and use that promo code. Uh, again, locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. And we round out the show here with Catherine Niker from the Buckets and T NBA podcast, among other places. You host a WNBA podcast. By the way, are, are you uh, getting antsy for a potential WNBA team in Toronto? There's been some cryptic stuff about Delta Airlines and stuff in the last couple of months here. Uh, is this going to happen, Catherine? I I cautiously optimistic. I I think the demand is there for sure as far as like fans are concerned, but I think mm -hmm. there's just a lot of other logistical things that really need to come into place. Mm -hmm. I think um we need to really be in a more like post-COVID, post-pandemic world. I don't know if people realize this, but the WNBA does not travel via private jets. They do not. So they would be going through all the stuff that we go through and mm -hmm. that there's just a few logistical things that seem a bit uh, a bit of a reach right now, but I mean, I I'm praying for it all the time. So I think maybe not like in the next year, but maybe within the next five years is my prediction on that, which would be, yeah, yeah, which would be amazing. That's what I would love to see. I mean, you know, the Toronto is such a big sports city. Like we, we can do it, you know, we can handle it and we can, we'll be there for it. It's just, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's more like, it, I don't have proof of uh, of politics happening behind the scenes, but I just sense it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I feel like it feels like a thing Masai Ujiri is probably uh, working on quite a bit with his contacts up high, you know? Uh. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, it would make yeah. sense for MLSE to own it. Yeah. Unless it's... Drake wants to solely own it. <laughs> <laughs> I will finance this my damn self. Yeah. Yeah. Unless um, he wants to be a team owner himself. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe they'll, they'll, they'll just like move his uh, title over. He'll be the global ambassador for the WNBA team as opposed to the Raptors. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, we'll, we'll certainly have you back on if ever that announcement comes down, Catherine. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. But back to your Toronto Raptors over the final stretch of the season. 25 games left. They are currently 7th in the Eastern Conference, 32-25. and 25. Chasing down the Boston Celtics and uh, holding off the Nets and the Hawks and the Hornets below them, which I think they probably stand a pretty good chance of doing. I don't think any of those teams are terribly scary right now. We'll talk to you when the Nets get healthy, I guess. But uh, in terms of overall sort of hopes and dreams for the team down the stretch here, Catherine, like, are you sort of hinging your hopes and your emotions on anything happening down the stretch of the season? Or has it been such a fun and delightful and unexpectedly uh just like rich season to watch as a fan that you're just kind of like yeah write it out see what happens and whatever kind of takes place this season was a success either way yeah this season's been really interesting in that you know i go back to that very first game and Masai is on the broadcast and he deliberately refers to this year as a rebuild mm -hmm. right and then we kind of perform you know uh ahead of schedule you know we're exceeding regular season expectations because we're the toronto raptors and that's what we do mm -hmm. and suddenly it just like put us in this situation where we we went from rebuild to win now in a matter of months and it, and it's been delightful but it's also been confusing because mm -hmm. it's like does the win now hinder our growth like that's something that i've had a hard time sort of reconciling with as i watch this season unfold because it's really a fine line to kind of to kind of walk here because of course you want to be in the playoffs of course you'd love to not even be in the play in but it's like is that to the detriment of you know growing these other players that might not be getting a ton of minutes like we talked about earlier so you know i'm hoping to see maybe a stronger balance between between existing in both those worlds sure. um in terms of games um we've got a ton of back-to-backs coming up so i think yeah. we'll be forced to like i said give these guys minutes where we can i'd love i don't know there's 25 games left i think a realistic but nice thing would be to win at least 16 of those yeah yeah i, I think that's that's being that's being like realistic my hope would be 20 but mm -hmm. I think realistically, 16 sounds about right. Yeah, they don't have a terribly difficult schedule. I think it's the 24th most difficult schedule to close the season. It's a little road heavy to begin, but they close with 8 of 10 at home. And there are a lot of mm -hmm. pretty uh, creamy matchups in there. There's some big ones, obviously, as there always is, kind of sprinkled in. But uh, yeah, when I was kind of rolling through the schedule, and I'm not really one to go and pick wins from the schedule, but I was looking at it, I was like, yeah, they could easily go like 16 and nine here and finish with 48 wins, which when you put it that way, 48 wins, like their Vegas over under was 36 and a half. Like they, they have been mm -hmm. way beyond any expectation. And I think even, you know, if they don't finish 16 and nine, if they finish more close to 500, they're still finishing with 44, 45 wins, which is a really, really encouraging step forward for this team. Um, the crazy sorry. thing about yeah. those, uh, just the crazy thing about those Vegas odds is, except for the Tampa year, if you took the over, I'm pretty sure you win with the Raptors every single year. This like Dwayne they, Casey was hired uh, in like 2011-12. <laughs> they've hit their over under every single year except for every last year. year. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
easy money, easy money. But yeah, I, I think easy. to the note of development, it's interesting because as much as it feels like they have been in win now mode by, you know, kind of reserving the heavy minutes for five or six guys, I feel like there's been a lot of really good development that's gone on with the most important players on the team because they've yes. played so much, right? Like they've been playing mm -hmm. in a lot of close games and that matters. Like Masai even talked about this in his recent presser where he was digging into like, you know, these games, like it's good that we're playing games that are this tight and that we're in this many close games that are coin flips because we might not actually get that much in terms of playoff opportunity to play games like this. And so I like the idea that they've really leaned into it. That said, now that they're 32 and 25 and actual playoff games seem like they're very much on the table and you never know what your first round matchup could be. They could play the Cavs in the first round and the Cavs look like they could be certainly gettable right now for sure. The Bulls even potentially, you know, who knows what ball or Caruso, the situation is going to be there yeah. either way. Like they might have an actual avenue to playing more than a couple of playoff games. And so now I hope they kind of dial it back a little bit. We've seen what this team can do when those guys are playing in a playoff style rotation. I think now is the time to try to kind of get those guys into a little bit more of a conditioned state so they're not, you know, overexerted and, and sort of burning themselves out. Because we saw, I think, like OG was getting exhausted by the by the time the break came around. Even Pascal, like yeah. he had a couple of rough shooting games later on. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how much that is tied to, you know, any sort of struggle or anything like that. But he's been playing a lot of minutes. It would make sense that he would be tired. Scotty Barnes we're seeing as well. Fred's been dinged up. I think we've kind of got proof of concept. And now my sort of big fascination is how does Nick Nurse trim down the minutes from 41 at night to 35 or 36 while also kind of sprinkling these other guys in. And that might be, you know, we talked about the difficulty of finding spots for these 10 guys, maybe 11 guys within the rotation. And this is probably the way to do it is to pare back those minutes a little bit and kind of keep guys fresher. But, uh, you know, I, I have not been super against the shortened rotation, focusing on the main guys playing a lot because actually those guys, the you know Pascal, OG, Gary Trent, Scotty Barnes, even Fred, those are the development cases that matter most to this team and are going to matter the most down the line. So I don't really mind the heavy minutes there. Um, but That's again, a great it's all point. balance. That's a great. Yeah, point. I mean, it's a it's a tricky thing figuring out minutes in the NBA, as it turns out. How how do you feel about um, Pascal running the point more? It's Is great. that something you love? It you're all for <laughs> yeah. it. It's incredible. He's the best player on yeah. the team at doing it. I, I don't know why you would take the ball out of his hands. What about you? You think he's better than Fred? I think he's better than Fred at creating offense and sort of having healthy possessions when he is initiating. A, because you get Fred in his most dangerous position, which is off ball, you know, catch and shooting and relocating and also right. screening for Pascal, which we've seen them use quite a bit in, in crunch time situations. That Nuggets game, for example, like they just spammed that down the stretch and got a lot of good looks out of it, even though they lost it. Um, what about you? Like, wh where, where are you at with that? Well, no, I love it. And I think um, I was reading in The Athletic, like we're last in assists in the yeah. league right now. <laughs> So, I mean, there was this kind of, I mean, first of all, this is nothing against the athletic. I subscribe to it, but like they try to do this thing where like actually being last at assists isn't the worst. And I was like, I don't know if I'm fully uh, buying what you're selling here, but it is, a, they, they laid out their case, you know, it's a whole thing. But for me, I'm like, no, I want to see ball movement. I want to mm -hmm. see, I, I want to see more assists on this team. And so maybe we will get that from Pascal because he is such a willing passer. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting sort of philosophical thing, right? Because, uh, you know, I do think there's something to the idea 
of the team they've built here. And I do wonder if it's part of their philosophy. You know, we, we see when you get to the postseason, ball movement becomes less of a priority because, you know, the defense, you're, you're, you're switching. It's just a lot more difficult to kind of penetrate these really good defenses. And it does often come down to one-on-one -on -one basketball. And they've gotten to the point now where if it gets down late in the possession and any one of the Raptors starting five has the ball in their hands, I feel pretty good about them going ISO and taking advantage of a matchup, right? Like, Scotty can score over anybody. He's scored over bigs. He's scored over smalls. He drives. He has this kooky little sort of back and forth herky jerky drive game, and he ends up scoring with it. You know, OG's got the power and strength to get to the rim whenever he wants. We know what Siakam's done. Fred's found the mid range game. Gary Trent Jr. can pull up from anywhere. The more contested, the better, it seems. Like all of these guys are good working in ISO. And so I think it's good that they've kind of worked on this. And maybe that's come at the expense of the assists numbers for sure. But yeah. I, I do think we've also seen moments where when things are really humming along, and I think often this is, this is when Pascal is kind of drawing attention and forcing the defense to react, you know, they can get the ball whipping around. That Nuggets game, for example, was just gorgeous, gorgeous basketball. And I think there's a balance to be found for sure. But, I, I you know, I don't really know where, because I mean, like the Bucks are third last in assists. The Jazz are second last in assists. Like these are good teams. And the Bulls are bottom seven, six or seven in assists as well. So it, it is tricky to kind of figure out what the right way to go is here. Because in the playoffs, I kind of think assists matter a little bit less. I feel like, I don't know what it is. There's just something about ISO ball that just makes me nervous. Because <laughs> I can't disagree with anything you said. But then I'm still like tensing up for some reason. Mm -hmm. Like I'm still like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just so conditioned to watching basketball a certain way over the years that mm -hmm. i'm like wait iso ball since when but <laughs> um but you're right i mean everybody on the floor at the end of a game can create their own shot so mm -hmm. and, and also too like i've i've learned to get used to the idea that nick nurse doesn't want to call a timeout and he doesn't want to drop a play because he doesn't want the defense to set that was mm -hmm. kind of hard for me too because i feel like when Nick Nurse does call a timeout and does drop a play, it's fairly iconic. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You're getting Danny you're getting, Green hitting game winners. You're getting yeah, yeah, anyone. Like he's game actually yeah. <laughs> good at drawing up these plays. So I'm like, mm -hmm. why don't you want to do it more? Yeah. But I understand. It's just, I don't know. It just makes me the nervous Raptors fan I was born to be, basically. Well, I do think like there's something to the idea that you know, they're not going to be able to ISO as well as, you know, they play the Nets, for example. You're not doing ISO ball as well as Kyrie and Kevin Durant are, right? Like, mm. you're playing the Celtics. You're probably not doing ISO ball as well as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Maybe you don't. Maybe you are. Like, Pascal's been awesome, and Gary Trent Jr. can, you know, create something out of nothing and all of this. But it is uh, a fascinating thing to watch. will be a huge storyline down the stretch, to be sure, watching how... They sort of balance all their varying and competing interests within this roster. Again, one of them good problems that they have good players who are all competing for minutes and touches and whatnot. Um, yeah. Maybe less of a good problem that uh, only like three of them can shoot, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> not for us to figure out, Catherine. Do you have anything before we wrap up here that you would like to uh, promote and uh, get to the in front of the eyeballs or earbuds of the wonderful people out there, Catherine? 
Oh my goodness. Well, like you said, the Buckets and Tea NBA podcast is available on Raptors Republic. So if you subscribe to Raptors Republic, you'll be able to see it there. I put out episodes once a week as well. My WNBA podcast is called The Pickup. I host that with Freddie Rivas, who's been on this podcast before as well. We had a segment built around Freddie yesterday because he asked so many mailbag questions. We just had the Freddie ceremonial question <laughs> segment of the podcast. <laughs> oh my we God. Love I Freddie. I love him so much. That's so funny. Um, and it's so true. Like on Twitter, like I'll always see you put something out and Freddie's always replied. He's with an a, absolute with a prince. Question. Just the, just the, always there. A reliable. I can be like, oh, no, mailbag podcast. I'm not going to get. No, no. I know I'm going to get three questions from Freddie. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, and, and as far as like our WNBA pod is concerned, we became fans recently. So like last year was our first year like really covering the league and so if you're listening to this and you're like curious about the WNBA but you haven't truly followed it we cover it from the perspective of like new fans so it's like a really Amazing. nice way to like get into the league if you haven't yet uh it's called the pickup it's available wherever you get your podcasts and uh thanks so much Sean this was so much fun yeah, so happy we could have you back, and we'll have you back again sooner than uh, the lag time between your first appearance and this one, because you're the <laughs> best. Uh, everyone go and support Catherine. Follow her on Twitter at it's me underscore Catherine. You can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can support the show by going to all your favorite podcast apps and subscribing slash following, rating, and reviewing. You can also go to YouTube and hit the big red subscribe button and join the 1,670 customers who are happily satisfied by looking at me on YouTube every day. You can go and subscribe <laughs> over there. Even again, if you're not going to listen to the show or, or watch the show in video, just subscribe just to help the numbers and continue along your merry way listening to the podcast version. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day locked on NBA as we are continuing roundtable week as we uh, got five different groups of hosts, six different groups of hosts all together to talk about their teams, where they stand in the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference or the league. And uh, you can go listen to the one that we aired uh, again on Tuesday, the, the Eastern Conference play in one. You can go listen to the East Contenders, West Contenders, Tankers, Soft Middle, Gooey Middle, Western Play, and all that stuff. Go check those roundtables out over at Locked On NBA. We will talk to you again on Monday where we will break down the games against the Hornets and the Hawks, likely with our pal Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. And with that, we'll talk to you again then on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.